Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Well, hello. Welcome to Jewel Says. I hope this heat wave isn't killing you if you're in Europe or the UK. I feel bad for you. I mean, I get it. Your homes are not exactly set up for it. I remember years ago when my in-laws used to come visit in the summer, I would leave for work in the morning and I would say, if you need the air conditioning on, we only had a window air conditioner at that time. We didn't have central air in our house. But I would say to my in-laws before I left, please, if you have the air conditioner on, keep the windows and blinds closed because that will keep the heat outside. And I would also say, don't let the cat out. She'll run around and get fleas. I'm allergic to fleas. And when you take a shower, put the shower curtain inside the tub so that the floor doesn't flood and possibly drip down into the basement. Invariably, I would come home from work. The cat would be rolling in the driveway and my in-laws would be sitting on the couch fanning themselves. Jesus, the heat. All the windows would be open and the air conditioner would be cranked up at full blast. I get that it's counterintuitive. You think if you need to cool off, you should open the windows, but don't. Close the windows. Close the blinds. If you're not at risk of being broken into, if you're in a safe enough area, open some windows at night if it cools off. Anyway. Oh, the other thing we used to do is we would just grab an air mattress and sleep in the basement because it's so much cooler. In your case, if you don't have a basement, the ground floor will be cooler than anything above that. Or wear your clothes damp. I used to wear a damp sundress, a damp top. A long-sleeved bathing suit that's wet will keep you cooler than bare arms. Just some of Jules' tips for keeping cool. Some of you may have grown up in one place with the same group of friends, or a lot of the same friends. Not I. I was born in Toronto, but my father, Ted, was an up-and-coming banker back in the day, so we moved a lot because he would get transferred from one branch to another as his career evolved. Mostly in Toronto, sometimes Kitchener, 
which is maybe an hour and a half's drive from Toronto. Kitchener is actually considered local by Toronto-based companies. I worked with a project manager who lived in the Kitchener area, and his commute to downtown Toronto was considered local, even though it took him probably about two hours each way, and that was on a good day, more depending on traffic and weather conditions. When I hear people complain about a 40-minute commute, it's like, oh, wow. And the other thing about commuting in Sarnia is even if your commute is a half an hour, because I used to work at plant sites in satellite cities of Sarnia in the petrochemical industry. So even if the commute was half an hour, it was usually a half hour of pleasant driving. It wasn't fighting horrific traffic and having your nose shoved in someone's armpit on public transit. Mind you, there were some days it took me over two hours to get home from Mississauga, which is part of the greater Toronto area. So the commute time is highly variable. But anyway, I didn't grow up in one place, really. I went to five schools for kindergarten alone. That's age five. But then Ted left the bank for a land development company, and we lived in Kitchener for 10 years. So I basically grew up in Kitchener. We moved to Sarnia a month after my 16th birthday. Not only did I not know anyone in Sarnia, I had never even heard of Sarnia until I was told we were moving there. And I know you might think that 16-year-old girls are incredibly welcoming to a new girl in town, but for some reason, in my case, that didn't happen. I tried to keep in touch with my high school friends, but maybe we were just that bit too young when I left. And by our 20s, our paths had just completely diverged. But there are some people from my teen years that I would kind of like to look up, just, you know, to see what and how they're doing. I've looked up some of the guys, and a lot of them I can't even find. Like my one boyfriend, I talked about him in Boyfriends. I'm just, God, I don't want to reconnect with him, but I'm just curious whatever happened to him. Nothing. I can't, I can't find him online at all, which is weird. Just kind of curious. But the problem with the women is most of them, maybe all of them, changed their names when they got married. So they effectively anonymized themselves. So I was particularly pleased when Catherine decided for her episode of Who Do You Think You Are? She decided to pursue my mother's side of the family. I knew a bit of the McCarthy history but not that much about my mom's side. In fact, one of the things that was really interesting to me, in one part of the episode, Catherine was shown paintings of my great-great-great-grandparents, I think it's three greats, I don't really know, at Victoria College in Toronto. Portraits. The thing that blew my mind was, I had rehearsed in that very room for a play only a few years ago. And when I wasn't actively rehearsing, I spent time admiring the portraits of past deans of the university and had no idea that the first president of the university and his wife were related to me. They were my ancestors. No idea. The surname Richie meant nothing to me. My mother's lineage had been completely anonymized. 
I, I, I did know my grandmother's surname, but that was it. I didn't know about anyone any further back. When I got married in 1982, I initially had no intention of changing my name, but my then-husband insisted it was important to him, so I did it. Legally, I really wasn't the type of person to argue or stand up for myself when I was 22, certainly not to my partner. And you know, what, what was my name? It's not as though I had a stellar career going or had good reason for keeping a professional name. I was just an insignificant 22-year-old woman who was now an appendage. But it felt as though I was slicing off a bit of my identity. As my friend Paula says, when I got married, I didn't go back up my mother's vagina and come out of my mother-in-law's. My own name stands. Paula's about 10 years younger than I am, and way gutsier. Now, in our English-speaking culture, we consider the woman taking her husband's name as a choice. At least today we do. A choice many people continue to make, but a choice nonetheless. We weren't always legally allowed to keep our names. We weren't allowed to own property, vote. And when women finally were allowed to vote, they very often had to legally register in their husband's name. The Lucy Stone League was founded in 1921 to fight for women to be allowed to keep their maiden name after marriage. I call it my real name, not my maiden name. The term maiden is kind of like nails on a chalkboard to me, unless it's in the context of a fictional storytelling. It's just, it's just loaded with connotations of purity, invisibility, uh, being demure, unobtrusive. In 1925, a woman named Doris Fleischman, I don't know how to pronounce that, was the first married U.S. woman to receive a passport in her own name. The U.S. Census Bureau granted women the right to register for voting using their real names in 1950. In 1975, the Supreme Court of Tennessee allowed women to choose whether to use their real names or their husbands' names when they got married. 1975. That might sound like ancient history to some of you, but I was 15 in 1975. Many of these legal changes are not exactly ancient. In 2007, the ACLU filed a discrimination lawsuit against the state of California to, get this, remove obstacles to a man changing his name to his wife's. At the time, only six of the 50 United States of America explicitly allowed a man to change his name through marriage with the same ease as a woman. The Name Equality Act of 2007 was passed and took effect in 2009. Now we are talking pretty recent history, even to the kids. No wonder people are still hung up on the man's name as the gold standard. But not all cultures do this. I'm not going to get into all the details, but this husband's name thing is mostly an English common law cultural anomaly. Well, maybe some other cultures do it, but definitely not all. Google it. Those old-timey Englishmen just had to rule the world, didn't they? Once when Catherine was maybe about nine, she asked me why women took their husbands' surnames. 
I told her that it was a tradition and some people are uncomfortable breaking with tradition. She suggested that a couple should choose which name they prefer when they get married. And um, I laughed and said, I agree with you, but I think a lot of men would have a hard time with that. Well, she said, if they can't agree on that, maybe they shouldn't get married. What a wise little old soul she was. A few people I know mix their names to come up with a new name, and both partners take that. Not a double-barreled name, but something like, for example, if Abe and I made it official, we might use McKemmon or LeCartman, McCarthy and Letkemen combined somehow. One of Abe's brothers is actually toying with a legal name change for himself and his wife to Kingman. Roy, or King, is derived from the Norman Roy, and Latkeman. I think that's a pretty cool name if you're going to go to the trouble of changing it. But me, I never quite got used to calling myself something else. It's, it's not as though McCarthy is such a fabulous name, but I just, I just felt as though it was part of me that was taken away from me. It was a bit of a hassle, too. I was young, so I didn't have a lot to change legally. I had to change government ID, bank accounts, my telephone listing, my name at my job, a few credit cards. Most places were satisfied with a copy of my old ID, new ID, and the marriage certificate. And of course, everything in 1982 was on paper, either in person or snail-mailed through the post. We didn't have robust technology and certainly no internet, so everything took time. I had to call each place to find out their process. When I called Sears, and I can name them because I think they've gone bankrupt, when I called Sears to change my credit card, the customer service rep told me I would have to apply for a new card. I had had this card since I was 18. I was now 22. So I'm like, what? No. I'm not applying for a new card. I just need you to change the name on my existing card. Well, she said, your husband needs to be on the application. My husband has to be on it? I asked, incredulous. I was better at standing up to non-partners than I was partners. Yes, of course. Why? You have two incomes now. Uh, I got married. I didn't get another job. Can't you just change the name? No, we need your husband's credit history, blah, 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 blah. So, I said, if my husband is a financially irresponsible lout with a bad credit rating, you might deny my application? Uh, I guess. Fine, I'll leave it as is. This really bothered me. As a matter of principle, I wanted everything that was in my name to remain mine and only mine. I wasn't ready to entirely dispense with my independence. When I did change my name, I didn't change my title to Mrs. I went with Ms., which wasn't particularly common back then. But I just didn't want to feel like an appendage. I really hated seeing Mrs. John Smith on anything for anyone. I I never said that to anyone who used it, but I mean, if that's what you want to do, fine. But there's no way I was having that for myself. I felt like it was bad enough that I had to change my surname. There's no way I was going to tolerate being addressed with his first name, too. 
When the mail came from Sears with my real name on it, and other mail with Ms. Julie Ryan, my beloved was not impressed. It hadn't occurred to me that he would notice or even care, but care he did. Mrs. Ryan was good enough for my mother. It's good enough for you. Ugh. Eventually, I filled out a change of address form for Sears with his surname, and lo and behold, they changed it. No application required. The phone number listing of J. Ryan confused a lot of people. That had always been my phone. I just changed the name on my phone. One night I answered to a gentleman with whom Mr. Ryan had worked, asking for him. He wasn't home, I said. Could I take a message? I had a hard time finding the right Ryan. Well, it is a common name, I responded. I called a few Ryans. How do you get Jay out of his first name? I have a name, I responded. The J is for Julie. Why the hell is the phone in your name? He demanded to know. It was my phone before I got married, and I am responsible for all the household admin. Why didn't you change it to his name? He pressed on. I did. It's listed as Ryan. That's his name. Ugh. I just don't know why people thought I was difficult. A lot of people say they want their names to be the same as their children's name, which is fine. I get that. But you don't have to legally change your name for people to refer to you with the children's name. People still sometimes call me Mrs. Ryan in the context of them knowing me only as my daughter's mother, and I'm fine with that. I answer to it and ask them to call me Julie. I was fine with naming my children after their father, but if he had a terrible name, we would have had a problem. There would have been an argument that I'm sure I would have lost. I don't understand why, though. If you have a terrible name, and I don't want to list what I think are terrible names, in case one of those names is your name or the name of someone you love, but let's say my name was, I don't know, let's say my name was Julie Cockbutt. I would not want to pass cockbutt on to my children. Although, my daughters do have a good friend named Woodcock, and I can tell you that Kaylee rocks that name like the confident queen she is, but others might not. I was at a party once, and this guy was telling me about some woman who had gotten married to a guy named Richard Dix, and then he passed away or they got divorced. And then she married someone else whose last name was Kuntz. And I said to him, wait, wait, wait a minute. So you're telling me that she used to love dicks and now she loves Kuntz. Yeah, we, we thought that was funny. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. In my work life, 
name changes are a problem if people's user ID is both their unique identifier in a system and based on their names, which it was at the company I worked for. Changing a name required a whole new user ID creation and everything to be transferred over, which is such a hassle for a number of people, including the person whose name changed. It's a process. One guy I worked with years ago suggested jokingly that to get around that, we should just not hire women. <laughs> I've been through many options, one of which was to base the user ID on the employee number, but some companies hire, lay off, rehire with different employee numbers. This whole uh, identity management can be a bit of a challenge. After my divorce, I was eager to restore my real name, but I thought I should check with the children to see how they felt about it. So I ran it by Catherine first. How would you feel about me changing my name? I asked her when I was alone with her one day in the car running errands. To what? She responded without missing a beat. Robinson? <laughs> Hilarious. She was roasting me even as a child. I didn't realize she had seen or was even aware of the film The Graduate. But I was suitably impressed with her rapid-fire reference to me dating Abe, who is 16 years my junior. Lately, I've been thinking that maybe I should have used that opportunity to take my mother's name, Knight. I like that name, but at the time, I wasn't thinking about anything other than just restoring my own identity. And Knight wasn't my identity, it was McCarthy. When you're 40, though, you have a lot more to change than when you're 22. I had a mortgage, a line of credit, investments, so it was a little more effort. The Canadian and Ontario governments changed my ID back without issue. Again, I contacted all the companies to get their process, and my old ID, new ID, marriage certificate sufficed in every case. Except my bank. The customer service person said I needed a letter from my lawyer confirming my divorce. My lawyer has nothing to do with my name change, I insisted. I'm not spending $500 or more on a lawyer and waiting for a letter. But you got a divorce. Yes, but I don't need to get a divorce to change my name. I can change my name to Julie Assface, and if the governments of Canada and Ontario will change my ID without a letter from a lawyer, the bank should have a process to do it too. I didn't need a letter from a lawyer to change it when I got married. You need a letter from your lawyer. I'm not paying a lawyer for a letter. Are you telling me that my only other option is to stop banking with you? Uh, I guess. Okay, thank you. I recommend you escalate my suggestion to revise your process to someone who is responsible for process improvement. I don't understand why people sometimes think I'm difficult. That just makes rational sense. Needless to say, it took me some time to extricate myself from that bank. I had accounts, a mortgage, investments, a line of credit. What a hassle. I had to wait for the mortgage to come due because I wasn't going to pay a penalty. A few years ago, Abe and I switched insurance companies, and the documents arrived with Abe's surname as McCarthy. I'm still responsible for all the household admin, and I am fully certain that I submitted Abe's name correctly on the forms. But I figured since this is an insurance document, I should probably correct it. 
I called Larry, the agent, to let him know of the error and to fix it. Now, this is recently. This is maybe 2017 or something like that. What? He seemed shocked. You don't have the same last name? Uh, it's 2017, motherfucker. Why so surprised? I didn't actually say that. No, we do not have the same surname. Abe refused to change his name. And to be honest, Larry, I was a little offended. What? Why would he change his name? His shock escalated. Why wouldn't he is the more appropriate question, Larry. McCarthy is clearly a way cooler name than Letkeman, but he's stubborn about these things, so I decided to let it go. Poor Larry was nonplussed. But at least he changed the documents without asking for a letter from a lawyer. I wonder what his reaction would have been if I told him we had never had a wedding. I'm always surprised when young modern women who have perfectly lovely surnames legally change their names after marriage. I genuinely don't understand it, but that's okay. Thank God we're all different. Maybe my childhood friends prefer that I can't look them up. I really like Catherine and Bobby's idea of giving male children dad's surname and female children mom's. At the end of the day, I'm just very grateful that we do have the choice. And if you're going to marry someone who won't respect your choice, as nine-year-old Catherine advised, maybe you should reconsider getting married. We have time for an email this week. Mother-daughter relationship advice. I have a troubled relationship with my mom. I love her, but we've had many arguments over the years, ranging in severity in both content and outcome. We went for five months at one point not talking. Ooh, that's unfortunate. A few years ago, I moved to another country with my long-term boyfriend, with whom I'd been living for two years. He was offered a job, which was an amazing opportunity for him. I hated my work at the time, so it was a no-brainer for me to join him. My mom was utterly devastated at first. As the move date drew closer, she would say, I know you need to try it, but I know it will be good for you, but. There was always a positive clouded around a negative. Away we went, and it was a bit of a tense relationship with my mom. While we were away, COVID hit, and the funding for my partner's job was at risk, which in turn might impact his two-year visa. We both started looking for work back in the U.K., Within a few weeks, I got offered a job I loved the sound of. I was ecstatic. Instead of my mom being excited that I was getting an amazing job and something I was really passionate about, she was focused on me being back in the UK, which kind of felt selfish and also felt like she didn't know who I was or what I wanted. Since moving back for that job, I've had two promotions and four pay rises. I'm unbelievably grateful that I found that job, and it's been such a great development experience. Around the time I got my first promotion, I was telling my mom about the feedback from my manager that this might happen. And again, instead of being positive, she said, you've not been there that long. Again, with that promotion, it was quite a jump for me, and I wanted to make sure I wasn't getting taken advantage of, so I did my due diligence on the market rate. I had an idea of a salary in mind and shared it with my mom. Again, with the negative, are you mentally prepared if you don't get that? There have been many arguments and negative comments, but I would love to get your advice on how to build bridges with my mom and communicate with her better so she realizes how negative I perceive her 
and what my values and drives are. Oh my, you may not want her to realize how negative you perceive her because that's probably not going to change her behavior. It's probably just going to hurt and probably won't do anything to build a bridge with your relationship. But congratulations on your success. I'm so happy for you that you went abroad and that your life is going so well. It must have been hard for you, though, knowing how upset your mom was. It's a shame that your relationship has been so fractured that you actually didn't talk for five months. I don't know how you and she argue. I I think the best way to build bridges with your mom is to empathize with how she feels. I don't know if she's capable of understanding that you perceive her comments as negative. She might not take that well. And yes, it's a parent's job to raise their children to be capable, independent adults. And you're clearly that. But I can tell you from my own experience, it kind of hurts when you realize that you like your children a lot more than they like you. I, you don't say whether your mom has a partner or good friends or a busy job. Her focus on you being back in the UK was no doubt because she missed you. And there's comfort in knowing someone you love is near, even if you don't see them all the time. Maybe she's had a lot of disappointment in her life. Did she have a successful career? You didn't say what she does for a living, but it's possible that she had dreams and aspirations that were thwarted. One of my brothers used to say that all women over 40 are bitter, though I don't think that's true. I do think there may be an element of possibility there. Because historically, women haven't had the choices and opportunities they might have wanted. Or maybe they dreamed of raising children and living happily ever after. But the reality is that when those children are grown up, what's left? I know a lot of women of my generation, probably your mom is younger, but a lot of women feel as though their children don't appreciate them or have time for them. And she could also be projecting some of her own life's disappointments without realizing how negative it sounds. Now, I'm not defending her behavior. I'm just trying to give you some perspective of where it might be coming from. I think the best thing to do is just not engage with her negative comments. Next time she says something that hurts, just maybe take a deep breath and maybe respond with something like, It sounds as though you're not happy for me. Then say nothing and wait to see what she says. She's going to get the message that you didn't appreciate what she said, but you're not saying it in a critical way. You know what I mean? If she repeats hurtful negative comments, just tell her you'd appreciate it if she would try to be happy for your success. Remind her that she raised you to be capable and resilient, and then change the subject. Keep trying just not to engage with any of her negativity, and hopefully she eases up over time. Or you might try asking her about her experiences. I don't know if she talks a lot about her life. I certainly did and do, which I think actually annoyed my children. Often I used to share some of my disappointments and challenges just in the hope that they would learn from them and not have to deal with some of the same things. You might want to ask her if she had disappointments that she wasn't prepared for or ask her how she handled it. Does she wish she'd done anything differently? That might 
help her feel as though you value her advice and wisdom. And if you listen to her stories, she'll feel very connected and heard. And hopefully that punches down the negativity. I hope that helps. I I know I'm kind of putting it all on you, but you don't have any control over what she says or how she thinks. So all you can do is manage how you respond. And I really hope that some of this helps. And again, congratulations on your career success. We spend so much time earning a living. I think it's wonderful if you actually enjoy what you do for a living. Thank you for listening. If you have anything you'd like to share or ask me, you can email me at jewelsays at gmail.com. J-E-W-E-L-S says at gmail.com. Try to keep cool.